misunderstood and who wants to blame? What if we could start over? We could start over. We could start over. Oh, for the lonely, for the ashamed, the misunderstood and who wants to blame? What if we could start over? We could start over. We could start over. Your breath. 
Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Welcome to Trinity. Uh, It is truly a privilege to be able to worship God together with others who are um, believers in the Lord Jesus, following him as disciples, those who are still seeking after him. But we are grateful for this day as a blessing from the Lord, and so we want to um, cherish it as a gift and use it to bring glory to him. And so uh, thank you again for joining us. Remember that uh, today is our communion service, so we will end our uh, time together around the Lord's table, remembering his sacrifice. And then after that, we have our monthly fellowship um, barbecue luncheon, so everyone is welcome to stay for that. So please make sure that you do. And uh, praise God for a beautiful day or weather for that as well. Um, Just as a reminder that uh, here at Trinity, we have these three words that are important to us because these are uh, our core values. It's learn, grow, and serve. And we use these words to remind us that we are to learn the truth about who God is and who we are in his eyes. And then we are to grow in that knowledge, to grow in our faith and trust in him. And then we are to serve and to serve others and to serve the world around us. And that is the pursuit of being a follower of Jesus. So as we do all three of those things together this morning, we'll begin by learning the truth. And so as I read from the scripture as our call to worship, listen to these words. These are the truth of God. He has revealed himself to us. A reading from the Psalms from the Old Testament, and then a reading from one of the epistles of the New Testament. Let these words uh, from the Lord be our call into a time of worshiping him. And after I read, I'll invite us to stand, and we will sing songs together of praise to him. But as I read, allow the words uh, and its truth to, to sink in and uh, prepare you for a time of worshiping God. This is Psalm 67. God, be gracious to us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations, and let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God, and let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce, and God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. And a reading from the New Testament taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, 
perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Praise God, and may he bless the reading of his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Would you stand with me? And let me pray us into a time of worship. Father God, we stand here before you, praying, recognizing that we are in the presence of the Holy One, the great and mighty God of the universe, but yet your word tells us that you are a God who is personal and who loves his creation and his children. So we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the way that you have shown us your love, by giving us your word, this written word that we have heard already this morning, but also we thank you for the living word. We thank you for Jesus Christ himself, that King of kings, that Lord of lords, Jesus, our Savior. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, that all people are to praise you, for you alone are worthy, and that in you we may face temptation, we may be, we may be tempted, we may be afflicted, but we thank you that we will never be crushed, that we should not be despairing, that even if we are persecuted, you will never leave us nor forsake us. So Father God, because of what you have done and because of who you are, We worship you now. May this time of singing be a sweet sound to your ear. And God, uh, would you bring yourself glory through it all. Thank you for this privilege of being able to worship you and to worship you together. So we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's worship our God together this morning. Before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold him Jesus, Son of God, Messiah The Lamb, the roaring light Oh, be still And behold him
Savior say, and thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. It's Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain.
cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the ancient seal by heavy stone Messiah still and all
Praise the Lord. It's good to worship him together, isn't it? Hallelujah. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you. Praise the Lord. the Lord. It's wonderful to see a great uh, fellowship. Hallelujah. Morning. Praise God. What a, an awesome time of uh, worshiping. I trust that you've been encouraged already, encouraged and blessing the Lord. And it's always good to see wonderful fellowship. Remember that um, we have our luncheon today, so lots more opportunities to catch up and to uh, greet one another, say good morning to people maybe that uh, you don't know or catch up with others that you haven't seen in a while. And also, it's a good reminder that we do have our coffee fellowship every Sunday. And uh, so we have those uh, on uh, Sunday mornings, 945. So come and uh, enjoy some good hot coffee. Yes, it's church coffee, but it's good coffee. We, we have good coffee here. So uh, I hope you wake up and um, in, enjoy some time together, and then you'll be right on time for service, too. So it's a, it's a double blessing. Uh, just a, a few um, announcements. We call this Church Life, just to kind of get caught up on where we are. 
in the life of Trinity together as a body of Christ, the local assembly of believers. Some things that uh, are going on now and things to look forward to. This is uh, never an exhaustive list, but just uh, a few things to highlight. Remember that uh, all that's going on at Trinity, you can find out about on our website, trinityallenwood.com. And uh, you can check out everything that's going on, the sermon series. You go to the events page and uh, see all the events coming up and uh, our resources. And you can look at past sermons if you happen to, to miss anything. Remember that we do live stream our worship gatherings. And so if you're traveling or you're feeling ill and you can't make it, uh, just a great tool to have. And so we welcome everybody that's joining us online as well today. Uh, but just a few things to be made aware of. This is... Uh, uh, just a, kind of a save-the-date thing, but uh, the last Saturday in October, we'll be having a uh, Fall Harvest Festival, and we'll be doing that uh, combined this year again with the Allenwood Church, our friends down the road. If you remember, we had the pig roast last time, so it's the same thing without the pig. And so we're going yeah, to do something different, but um, this will really be, uh, it'll be a great family uh, event, and it'll um, be a wonderful opportunity for the kids as well. We'll have uh, pumpkin carving and painting and uh, all kinds of fun games and a lot of food and just a, a wonderful time to gather here and, and uh, just enjoy our property and the games that we have, volleyball and all of that. And uh, so it's always good to see our friends from the Allenwood Church as well. And we like to do a few things with them throughout the year when we can. And so it'll be a great time for uh, kids as well. So a good opportunity to invite friends and family. But just wanted to get that out now to put that on your calendar as a save the date for October 28th. Uh, we have a couple of retreats coming up this fall. So we have men's retreat down at Harvey Cedars. You see the dates there in the middle of October. The information, again, is on our website. The registration, the cost, and all that. You can go and register, make your deposit, and uh, do that to, to get set up to reserve your spot. But we'll have a guest speaker who will be coming in to share with us. And the theme will be No Man Left Behind. And so we're really looking forward to that as we kick off a new season of a new ministry, a, a real uh, um, good organized, structured men's ministry here. And so this will be the, the first main event, but we'll have some gatherings before that. So men be looking forward to more information about our uh, men's um, gatherings or ministry to men, but uh, please save the date for this and go to the website and you can register and sign up for that. Women, we also, of course, have a retreat there. I say we, but I meant for the women. I'm not invited. I'm not going. I got my own retreat. Uh, but this is the weekend before that, so October 7th and 8th. It's a Saturday and Sunday, and uh, it's right here at our home in Brick, at the Wattel's home. And so um, all the, the women here at Trinity and, and your, your sisters, your moms, your uh, relatives, ladies, uh, please invite them to come out for just a, a very memorable and wonderful weekend for sisters in the Lord. And so... It's uh, the theme is a wonderful theme this year, Becoming by Beholding. And so we were singing a song earlier today in our, our opening worship about beholding Jesus and what does that look like. And so the women will be gathering to spend a couple of days that weekend in October, um, just kind of diving deeper into that, getting to know each other better. And so ladies as well, you can go to our website and RSVP for that and get your name on the list so we know who's coming. So please make a note of that. Yes. Should I go back? I'll go back. There we go. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. Sorry, thank you for that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the men will have a guest speaker coming in, and the women do also. A good friend from New York City, a good friend of, uh, of Claudia's and the, and the family and our kids who live in New York. And so 
Her name is Judy Mills, and she's been in women's ministry for a long time. That's right, mainly women's ministry. And so she's wonderful, and we've heard her before. She's a great teacher uh, of the Word and uh, just a real godly woman who has a lot of experience in uh, women's ministry. And so, uh, ladies, just I, I wouldn't really encourage you to be a part of that weekend. So please make a note of that and uh, sign up as soon as you can. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Anybody else have anything to say about that? Okay, so I want to make sure. So it's all good. That's fine. Um, so uh, we also have, uh, through our, our missions ministry, uh, we try to put together something at least once a month. And so our next outreach is coming up in a couple of weeks, Sunday, August 20th in Lakewood, the Gospel and Blessing Bag Giveaway. And so you don't need to register, but there'll be more information coming up. You'll see an email this week with um, the details about where to meet and what time. But it'll be in downtown Lakewood, right in the, the center of the city. And there's an area there where we'll be setting up tables and having our blessing bags and being able to pray for people and to share the good news. And so uh, we want to do that. It's a very large city, of course, you know. We live in the area right next door to us. And so we want to take that opportunity. We've gone down there before, but this time we want to bring our blessing bags and, of course, bring the good news of the gospel. So save the date for that coming up in a couple of weeks on the 20th of August. And uh, look for more details um, on our website and the email this week about what time and where to meet. All right, that's Sunday after service. Uh, we also have coming up, actually, it's next Saturday, August 12th, another event through the women's ministry. That is the Women's Sunrise Bike Ride and Walk and Breakfast. So this is for all women. And so it's a wonderful opportunity. I've been doing this for many years. And so the ladies meet at 5.30, that is an a.m., 5.30 a.m., so they can see the sunrise, which is at about 6 o'clock. And uh, you meet there at Spring Lake. Many of you know of where that is. You've been there. It's the, the South End parking lot, beginning of Spring Lake there by the boardwalk. You meet there at 5.30, you congregate, and then start riding on the boardwalk. And it's, uh, of course, I've never been, but just hear wonderful stories, just about connections that are made and, and uh, just a beautiful opportunity to see the sunrise as you're riding your bike or walking and uh, making your way up the, the beautiful Spring Lake boardwalk together, ladies, and that it ends at uh, 8.30 with breakfast, and the breakfast is included, and so that's free of charge to all the ladies that are going, and so breakfast at the Breakers at 8.30, and then one of the, the ladies there will also be giving a devotional uh, to sort of wrap up the breakfast in the morning. So it's a wonderful opportunity for fellowship, for the ladies of the church, and a great opportunity as well, ladies, to invite uh, your friends and family members, uh, ladies, to come and join that. So that is next Saturday. The uh, sign-up, uh, again, it is free, but we just want to see how many ladies are coming. They know who to wait for when they all congregate. So go to the website, please, and, uh, and RSVP for, for that, ladies, for next Saturday morning. Okay, please make a note of that. This Tuesday is our next Young Adults uh, group meeting. You've uh, heard me talking about that. And so we're having... Um, scheduled four barbecues and sort of get together, just a time to hang out and get to know each other. And so that's another combined event with us and the Allenwood Church. And uh, we've, been having, uh, we've had two so far. It's been awesome. Some great conversations, just getting to know each other. And so we have a, our next one this Tuesday, August 8th. If you're interested and you haven't been yet, just let me know. And uh, if you know a young adult, sort of uh, young 20s and young to late 20s, and uh, you want to invite them, just see me. I'll give you all the details about where to meet and when, all right? 
So that is uh, this Tuesday uh, on the 8th. And what else? Yes, of course, as I mentioned earlier, and before our call to worship, that we will end our um, service together with uh, communion as we remember the Lord's sacrifice on our behalf. And then we follow that with our barbecue lunch. We do that on the first Sunday of every month. And I think it's fitting that we do those together because in the ancient church, they always had their agape feast and in their big sort of a, a feast, they would have lots of food and, and fellowship, but they would always take a part of that time set aside to be more reflective and contemplative and to, to consider um, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on our behalf so that salvation could be offered to us by God the Father freely as a gift for us to simply receive by faith. And so that's what we will do today. We will, we will take time to remember and reflect on the cost of salvation to our Lord, and then we will go into a time of celebration because we are told by the Lord Jesus to take the bread and the cup in remembrance of him only until he comes back because once he returns for us, there'll be no more need for it because we will have the Lord Jesus with us personally. Amen? And we look forward to that. So that is how we will conclude our time together. So please, everyone is invited. Make sure that you stay. And then during that time today, I mentioned this last week, but uh, during the dessert time of our luncheon today, if any of you are interested in learning more about baptism, as we talked all about the baptism of our Lord Jesus last week, um, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus and you have not yet been baptized, then this is your opportunity to learn more. Learn more about what we believe in baptism, more than what I shared last week, and, and what that looks like here at Trinity and what it entails, what the expectations are. And so if you'd like to learn more, uh, this is a good opportunity to do that together. So uh, during our dessert time, we'll meet down in the conference room A and uh, answer any questions that you have. If you can't stay for the luncheon and you're interested, please just uh, send me a text or email me or call me, and I'd love to talk to you more about it. All right. And uh, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to the message because uh, Jesus taught us a lot about baptism when he himself, or Lord Jesus, was baptized. Right. And uh, so uh, learn more today if you're interested. So we, um, with all that said, we enter into our time uh, around the Word of God, and uh, we continue in our study in the Gospel of Matthew. And so in our time remaining, we will look at the first four verses of chapter four of Matthew. And um, this is uh, a quite an interesting um, chapter because it follows right after Jesus being baptized. And you know, uh, the gospel writers don't just put this information in here as they're being led by the Spirit, just as sort of to a list of facts or a list of dates and times or events in the life of the Lord Jesus. But of course, they all have a plan and a purpose, and even how they are laid out in sequence means something. And so keep in mind today, as we look at the first temptation of Jesus. He was tempted three times in the desert by Satan himself at the beginning of his ministry. Um, we're going to look at just the first one today as we introduce this sort of three-part series within our series on the temptations of Jesus. But keep in mind that these temptations in the desert happened immediately after 
Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And so that's important because what happens after we are baptized, right, is significant. And if you're interested to know more about that, come to our meeting during the luncheon, during the dessert, right? But Jesus, after he is baptized by John the Baptist, is then tempted. Now, of course, temptation is a word that we're all aware of. It is something that we all experience. But yet there are some important um, distinctions about the temptation of Jesus and how we are tempted and why Jesus himself was actually tempted in the desert by the devil himself. You know, um, uh, I grew up not really going to church quite often, but when we did, we went to the local Episcopal church, and there was something, one of the few things I remember from my time there was something that was said every Sunday that I had memorized as a kid that many of you have memorized as well, and it goes something like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses or debts, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you also know that by heart? It's often called the Lord's Prayer. Really, if you look at it in context, it's kind of the disciples' prayer because Jesus gave it as an example of how to pray for the disciples. It's not a prayer that we are to say uh, in that sense. We can, but it's not a sort of special or, as we might say, magical set of words or uh, a prayer. But Jesus gave it to us for a reason. He gave it to us as a model of how to pray. And it's important because we are to pray by beginning our Father, meaning we recognize who God is. Before we start asking God for all the things that we want or need, we first acknowledge that he is God and we are not. So our Father who is in heaven, right? The God, the one true God, hallowed be his name. His name is to be revered and holy and worshiped and honored and glorified. And so we know the rest of that prayer, many of us by heart. But it's interesting for our purposes this morning to remember that in that prayer, Jesus includes this phrase, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Have you ever considered why Jesus would include that in the prayer? Lead us not into temptation, does God lead us to be tempted? Does God want us to be tempted? Does Jesus say, here, come on, I want you to be tempted, follow me? I think you're going to see there's plenty of scriptures that tell us that God doesn't tempt us, but yet Jesus includes this, obviously, for a reason, and I think that will be made clear as we look at the temptation of Jesus this morning. But we know those words very well, don't we? And lead us not into temptation, and of course, it's often part of our own personal prayers in so many words that we would ask that God would 
keep us from being tempted, that the Lord would help us to not give in to temptations. We are all aware of sin and its effect in our lives. And as believers, we know that when we sin, when we're disobedient, we break fellowship with God. More on that later. But Jesus includes in this model prayer for us, his followers, that we would include something about God, lead us not into temptation. But what does that really mean? What Jesus is actually saying is he's saying, pray that God would not allow it or not permit it, because he does, but we can ask that God would have mercy on us. See, God doesn't actually lead us into temptation, but what Jesus is saying is you can pray that God gives you the strength, that God blesses you with the wisdom that you need to not be led astray by temptation. So it's as if he's saying, pray this, Father God, please keep me from being tempted. And so the Lord Jesus can pray this, and he can show us this prayer because he himself was tempted. Now, just like last week, it might come to us as a surprise to some of you that Jesus himself was baptized, yet he was without sin. And Jesus actually was tempted, yet he was also, again, without sin. So what's the nature of that, even in light of Jesus being baptized? That's what we'll look at together this morning. So just the first four verses of Matthew 4, Jesus is tempted three times uh, in the desert by Satan. Now, of course, in the rest of his life, he is tempted other times, but this is a specific type of tempting or testing by Satan himself, and again, it comes right after his baptism. So let me read it for us. It's up on the screen, and you can follow along in your Bibles. I encourage that. But here's what it says in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Those are our verses for this morning. So, so far in our study of Matthew, you've seen that um, Matthew has a plan and a purpose for writing this letter, that his audience is predominantly Jewish believers, so they are Jewish believers. Uh, in their culture, of course, by heritage, and yet they are now believers in the Lord Jesus. But Matthew is writing his gospel to this predominantly uh, messianic um, congregation and group of people to uh, confirm and encourage and remind them that Jesus is the king, and he has come to offer his kingdom. He is that long-awaited king of Israel, and he has come to offer the kingdom to the nation Israel. And so we have seen um, the, the uh, beginnings, the birth of Jesus Christ. We've seen his genealogy, and now we are beginning to see uh, the beginning of his 
life and ministry. So we notice from baptism to temptation that this happens right after he is baptized. Because what happened when Jesus was baptized? You remember from last week, uh, John the Baptist saw him approaching and said, no, 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 Jesus, like, uh, you should be baptizing me. I'm not even worthy, right? And Jesus says, let's permit it now because it is good to fulfill all righteousness. And so Jesus did it to fulfill prophecy. We've seen a lot of prophetic fulfillment already in the first three chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. But now Jesus is being tempted. But it happens right after the baptism, because at the baptism, do you remember that it showed us at the end that uh, God descended from heaven, that he sent the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove to descend upon Jesus. And so at that moment, we saw a beautiful picture of the Trinity. We had God the Father saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus as he begins his ministry. And of course, Jesus the Son is there because Jesus was publicly committing his life to ministry and he was connecting himself to the sinners as their Savior. That's because we have a personal Savior. Isn't that beautiful? So Jesus was baptized not because he needed to repent of sins, because he is perfect and was without sin, but he was publicly proclaiming the beginning of his ministry, his connection to sinners as their Savior. He was confirming the ministry of John the Baptist, that yes, he was the king, the long-awaited Messiah. See, so once you're baptized and you're making that commitment, especially publicly, by being obedient to the Lord Jesus and, and proclaiming that by proclaiming what has already been changing your heart when you are baptized in front of others, and what happens? We have an enemy who says, oh, now you say that you're committed to Jesus. Let's see what happens when you are tempted. And that's exactly what the enemy does with Jesus. Remember, Jesus is perfect, and he has not sinned and never does sin, but yet it's important that he is tempted because the enemy tries to undo what Jesus just did in the baptism. He tries to defame Jesus in front of God and therefore then in front of others. Satan tempts Jesus because Jesus has proclaimed himself publicly through his baptism as the awaited king the king, the Messiah, and so Satan questions that when he tempts him. Doesn't he do that with us as well, church? When he tempts us, when Satan tries to get us to sin, to question God, to give in to that temptation, which is then the sin, he wants us in that sense to deny God, to deny that God is more powerful, that we can do things on our own without God. That's exactly what Satan is tempting Jesus to do here in this first temptation. Um, in his commentary on Matthew called Behold the King, Professor Stanley Toussaint mentions that these three temptations, the first of which we're looking at today, really bring into light and into focus the kingship of Jesus presented to the people of Israel in that he is tempted personally in this one, that in the one we'll see next week, there is a national temptation as the king of Israel 
And then in the final one, there is this universal temptation that he is king over all the universe, and together they show Jesus as king. Because remember, that is Matthew's theme and focus. So we will look at these four verses briefly together. So in the first verse, it says this, Then Jesus, meaning right after he was baptized, was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Satan is now testing what God had just proclaimed. Remember the words of God, the Father, at Jesus' baptism? This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Satan says, we'll see about that. And he tempts him. So, Satan is now testing what God has proclaimed. But yet the king, if he is to be the true king, the true Messiah, the Savior, he is to be blameless and perfect, so Satan is tempting him. This is the personal temptation of Jesus to test his character. Does he have the character of the true king of Israel, the one that would be sent by God? Remember, Satan knows the Bible. He probably knows it better than any of us. But yet also remember, Satan is not all-knowing, is he? We might forget that from time to time. Satan is not God, for sure. So Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at all times like God is. He is certainly not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful like God. But yet, Satan is very intelligent. Satan is a supernatural being. The Word of God tells us that Satan himself was an angel created by God, most beautiful of all the angels before he fell. And so Satan here is tempting Jesus in a very personal way because he knows full well who Jesus is. Let's not mistake that. Satan, when he says, we'll see this in the next verse, if you are the son of God, he certainly knows he is the son of God. So Satan knows who he's dealing with, yet he tempts them nonetheless because even though Satan might know what Scripture says about his ultimate destiny, he also is deceived in his pride that he could change the course of that destiny. Are we also not deceived that we know better than God, that we can save ourselves, that we can do a better job than God did, right? Is that not what we see? as that first sin of pride in the Garden of Eden, when Satan tempts Adam and Eve, and they're like, yeah, maybe God didn't say that. Maybe we don't need God as every part of our life. We can do some things on our own. I can eat that fruit. Nothing will happen to me. That's what Satan is trying to do to Jesus. So Jesus publicly declared to Israel that he was their king, and now Satan is testing that claim of the divine right of the king, just like us. When we proclaim the name of Jesus and ourselves as Christians, when we tell others around us that we are Christians, that we are followers of Jesus, please know you will be tempted. Because Jesus says so. He says the world will hate us because it hated him. He was tempted, we will be tempted. In some ways, Satan doesn't want to bother or doesn't need to bother as much with those who don't profess faith in Jesus Christ. 
Because Satan ultimately wants to rob God of worship and glory, does he not? Just like what we were doing here this morning, worshiping God, Satan hates it. And he will try to do all that he can to thwart the worship of God. Satan is called in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world. He is called the father of lies in John 8, 44. And all evil originates with him. This is the one now tempting our Lord Jesus. He is also selfish in nature, just like us. I think we could even safely say that we don't even need Satan to tempt us for us to sin. We can do a pretty good job on all our own, can't we? <laughs> Look at what it says in James 1, 13 to 14. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. You see that? James is saying, no, God doesn't tempt you. And God himself cannot be tempted the way that we are in that sense. We'll get to that distinction in a second. But James is making that clear distinction that each of us is tempted when we are dragged away by our own evil desire. That is our existing sinful nature. So it tells us God cannot be tempted and Jesus is God. So what does that mean? Jesus couldn't sin. So then that begs the question, were the temptations even real? Did they have any power if Jesus couldn't sin? So was it a real, like bona fide temptation? It was. Why? Because they were temptations to prove his righteousness and his character. Could Jesus have sinned? No. But it doesn't negate that he was tempted. So that he understands our situation because we have a personal Savior who knows what it's like to be tempted. So it's kind of like this. There's these two parts, these two phases in temptation, right? There's a sinful proposition that's offered to you by someone, whether it's somebody else, something from the world, not of God or by Satan himself. It is a sinful proposition to do something apart from God, to do something of your own will and desire and nature. So there is a proposition, an offer made to sin, to be disobedient to God. And then the second part of that is the considering of actually participating in that sinful act. It's considering the offer. It's about thinking about the pleasure and the outcome and even the consequences. When we dwell on the act, we consider it, it's the sin. Church, it's important to remember, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin when you give in to the temptation. Is that clear? That's important and we understand that. That's how we can say Jesus was tempted. See, but because he was sinless, he didn't consider even for a moment giving in to that temptation. But we do that sometimes, don't we? We're offered something that would go against what God wants, something that is unholy in its nature. We are offered that. That's the temptation. That's not a sin, but when we consider it. When we dwell on it, even for a moment, it's a sin. And how do we remember this? Because doesn't Jesus teach us that sin is a matter of the heart? 
It's not the action. It's a matter of the heart. People have probably told you, well, if you don't commit it, you don't actually do it, then it's not wrong. You could think it in your mind. You can, you can, you know, dwell on it in your heart. That's not a sin. It's only when you act upon it. Jesus taught us just the opposite, did he not? In Matthew chapter 5, which is towards the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, it's about kingdom living, isn't it? When he says, you know, the kingdom is not here yet, and uh, the kingdom is being offered to the people of Israel, if they had accepted him and not rejected him, would have had that kingdom that we are now waiting for, which had been postponed when they rejected him. Jesus is saying, look, this is what it's like when you're going to be in the kingdom. If you're a follower of mine, this is how you act. That's the Sermon on the Mount. That's what all that is. And so part of that, Jesus teaches this about the nature of temptation and sin. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So he's saying that was written in the law. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And if you remember famously, he also says that about adultery. He says the same thing. Oh, you've heard it said that it was taught in the law that if you commit adultery, that it's a sin, that you should be killed, right? He says, in essence, right, paraphrasing, if you just think about it, you have sinned. Like he says with this, if you are just angry towards a brother or sister, then you are guilty of murder. Wow, what a teaching by the Lord Jesus. Isn't that so encouraging and uplifting? (laughs) But what was Jesus saying? He's saying sin is a matter of the heart. So being tempted is not a sin, but dwelling on it, considering it, thinking about doing it, all the pleasures that come along with it, the outcome, even the consequences, that's a sin. Why? Because it dwells in our heart. So how many of us can be perfect like Jesus and never actually consider sinning, therefore being perfect? None of us. That's why Jesus had to die in our place. Because only the perfect king, only the perfect savior and perfect Messiah was qualified to go to the cross and take upon himself all of our sins because he was that perfect, spotless, and blameless lamb of God. John the Baptist saw and said, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because he is the only one who lived a perfect life. So yes, Jesus was tempted because Satan made offers to Jesus to sin, but Jesus declined each offer, which we will see. I hope that makes sense. That's so important. We understand that. Jesus teaches us that sin is a heart issue. So in verse two, first we saw, it says that Jesus went up. I actually want to mention something about that first. Jesus, it says, was led up by the spirit into the wilderness. That's important. He was led up, right, said in verse 1, led up by the Spirit to be tempted. Does that not sound like God allowed this? If he was led up, he didn't go by himself. He was led by God, so there's some providence of God here. This is part of God's plan that Jesus would be tempted. But that he was led by the Spirit to be tempted so that there was a purpose for him to do this. This was God's will that he would be tempted. It's important to remember that. It comes out in the wording 
of Matthew in that first verse. But verse 2 says this, So, after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Some of us had breakfast and we're already hungry for lunch, and it will happen within the next 40 minutes, I guarantee it, that you will eat a hot dog or a hamburger or both. And so we're hungry. We understand what that's like. Some of us have even fasted as a spiritual discipline, because that's biblical, that we would fast to set aside food, whether it's a meal or, or all three meals, right, for a certain amount of time, a, a day or days. We do that as a spiritual fast to uh, every time that we get a hunger pain, the, a hunger pang, that what we do is we remember what we're doing, and it gives us time to focus on the Lord Jesus uh, in, in a a more focused way, and so fasting is important. So Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. How many of us have fasted for that long? I don't recommend that you fast for that long. Jesus did it. 40 days and 40 nights, and of course, then he became hungry. I would like to think it wouldn't really take me that long to become hungry. How about you? 40 days and 40 nights, then he became hungry. But there's an importance here, okay? 40 days, 40 nights. Have you heard that phrase before? It's all throughout Scripture. Numbers were important, and they meant something. 40, 40 days, 40 nights. It had significance, right? Talk about the flood, but here we're talking about fasting. Did you know Moses and then the prophet Elijah did the same thing in Exodus 34, 28 about Moses? It said, so he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So when Moses went up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. What was happening down below at the bottom of the mountain while he was doing this? You remember? Remember from the scriptures and from the movies? (laughs) What were the people of Israel doing? They were crafting the golden calf. They were sinning. Watch this. Elijah 1 Kings 19.8, prophet Elijah. So he, meaning Elijah, arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. So he ate and drank, and then he did not eat and drink again for 40 days and 40 nights as he was being chased by, do you remember who it was? Jezebel, right? The wife of Ahab, evil and wicked Jezebel, who was leading Israel to follow false gods. So here's the point. That number 40, especially 40 days, 40 nights, it was almost always connected to sin. Remember, why did God flood the earth and have Noah build an ark? Because of the great sin in the world that God flooded the earth and destroyed everyone and everything except Noah and his family and all the animals on the ark. How about Moses? Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments that God would give to the people so that they would not sin. While it was happening, they were sinning down below. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Elijah, as he was trying to lead Israel to not follow the false gods and false idol worship of Jezebel, the wicked queen, it says that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Here is Jesus, the only one who is sinless. He is without sin. He is being tested, for he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. 
Satan came to Jesus when he was hungry because he was also human. He's God and man together. Fully God, fully human. But Satan comes, notice when he does, it said that he came after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. What are you like when you're really, really hungry? Are you in a good mood? Do you think that you have all of your defenses up to fight the temptations of the evil one? So Satan comes when Jesus physically and his humanity is weak, right? Thinking, okay, I'll get the best of him now. Isn't that what our enemy does to us when we are weak, when we're not in the scriptures, when we're not praying, when we're not fellowshipping, when we're not walking closely with the Lord, are we not vulnerable to the temptations of our enemy? He tempts Jesus the same way. So, it reminds us here, Deuteronomy 9, 7, talking more about Moses. Remember this and never forget how you aroused the anger of the Lord your God in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until you arrived here, you have been rebellious against the Lord. God was declaring the sinfulness of the people of Israel. There is sin attached to this. And we, of course, know that unfortunately, even as believers, right, we have been forgiven. We praise God for that. But yet we still sin because we have not yet been made perfect, not until the Lord returns. So to that I say, come, Lord Jesus, even now. But until then, yes, we will give in to temptation and sin. We will say yes to that sin. It's been, it was told to me by one of my first mentors, it's not the first look that gets you when you notice, it's the second look that gets you. And see, the idea is when we contemplate it, when we consider it, it is that sin, and it's in our heart, and we give in. So Jesus is here being tempted by the evil one. So it says in verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Command that these stones become bread. So first of all, you have to understand, he is not saying if, like, Satan questions it. Okay, in the original language, it's basically, it means this. He knows he's the Son of God. It, it is assumed. It is um, um, believed. Satan knows who he is. The two of them there, Satan and Jesus, they both know who Jesus is. So if you are simply means, it's an assumption. It's a given fact, right? The baptism was actually proof of it. There's no doubt what Satan is saying is, okay, since you are, do this. Jesus said fasted. He was hungry. So how was he personally tempted? Just like us, he got hungry. So in the lust of the flesh, he was hungry and, of course, wanted to eat. So what does Satan say? If you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Oh, what's he saying? Oh, you can have all the bread you want. You're hungry, aren't you, Jesus? To take all these stones, you are God. You can change these stones into bread. Does he not later turn water into wine? He could do it. It's a very human thing to be hungry. Jesus was human and also God. The key here is that Satan is trying to get Jesus 
to do something apart from God, to go against the Father, who just said that he was pleased with his son. So what's the temptation? Jesus, you don't need your Father. Yes, I know he loves you. He said that he's pleased with you, and he just you know, commended you before all the people and, and the people of Israel, but you can do this apart from God. Just take your godness and take your supernatural powers, Jesus. Turn these stones into bread and you can eat and you will be satisfied. Isn't that what happens when we're tempted? Where we feel like, man, we will be satisfied. But how long does that satisfaction last? It's fleeting. It's like he's saying, Okay, we both know that you're God, so use your powers for evil, but not for good. Even worse, the temptation is that eating is not bad. He's like, yeah, go ahead and eat. But it's not what God wants him to do. See, boy, we can rationalize away anything, can't we? We're so good at that. That's one of our supernatural powers, isn't it? Oh, we can rationalize away So when we start to think we're tempted, we start to rationalize. Well, I probably shouldn't do that. I could probably get, nobody would notice. I could probably do that. What would be the consequences? Let's see. I guess this could happen. That probably won't happen. This could happen. I could deal with that. You see, not that I've done this before. I just, I'm saying this is the way it works, right? I shouldn't be so good at doing that, right? But we all know how that works. See, but what Jesus is saying is that the moment you consider it, you have sinned, right? But Jesus didn't even consider it. Satan will always tempt us to do things on our own. We don't need God, just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. We are tempted to be independent of God. That is why God needed to send us Jesus to reconcile us to the Father, because through our sin, we separated from God so that we could be independent just like Adam and Eve. That's what sin does. It separates us from the Father. As Christians, when we sin, it separates us from God in fellowship, not our relationship. We don't lose that. We're always believers. We're always Christians. We don't lose our salvation. We don't believe that here. But as Christians, when we sin, we break fellowship, see? We're saying, oh, I can do this better than you, God, and I can do this apart from you. I don't need you in this part of my life. That's what he's trying to get Jesus to do. Yes, God doesn't want you to do this, and it would be disobedient, but you can do it. Jesus, you can do it. And then finally in verse 4, it kind of comes to a conclusion, but how did Jesus answer? And we're going to see this as the pattern each time that he's tempted. So Jesus answered and said, it is written. He's going to the very word of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. A very familiar verse. So Jesus turns it around on Satan. Our true sustenance is the word of God. Jesus says, as it is written. So he's saying to Satan, here's my answer to your temptation. No, here is what God says. So Satan is trying to get Jesus to do something apart from God the Father. But then how does he answer? He says, this is what God the Father says. Turns it right back to him. Isn't this a wonderful example for us? Church, how are we to resist temptation? The very word of God. Elsewhere, Jesus says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do we resist the temptations of the evil one? The temptations of our sinful heart and of this world? 
by the very word of God. So he even says, men shall not live on bread alone. Now, bread alone, stop there for a second. He's not saying that bread is bad, that food is bad. We need to eat. It's our sustenance physically. But he's saying more important spiritually, we can't just live on that alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word that we have in the Bible is given to us for our good. It is our spiritual fruit. It is our daily bread, right? But he says not to live on bread alone, but one last thing about this. See, he says alone, why? Because he knows that Satan is trying to get him to do something apart from God. And so Jesus is saying, we can do nothing apart from God. And his word tells us that his word is our life. It is our sustenance. So he's saying, we cannot live on our own apart from God. Spiritually, it is true, because without Jesus Christ, we are doomed to an eternity apart from God. And so therefore, Jesus is saying, people, we cannot live. Humans cannot live apart from God. We can't just live on bread. We need God, because without him, we will surely die. But yet, what is our true food? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus is setting them up, and we know in the other two, we'll see in the next couple of weeks, Jesus answers the same way with the very word of God. So we end where we began. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Not only our sustenance, our food, God provides what we need in this world, in this life, but God gives us our daily spiritual bread, and we find it in the Bible, his very word. Matthew is showing in this first temptation that Jesus is personally qualified to be the king of Israel, the Messiah. His character is perfect, and he is the only one who can be the true king, the true Messiah. The church, as we conclude, and then we'll gather around the table together. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 10, 13? A wonderful verse to memorize. No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. So we're all in the same boat. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Hallelujah. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it, which means so that you can say no, so that you don't consider giving into the temptation and then sinning. See, so Paul is talking about temptation. Boy, God is faithful in every area. So how do we resist temptation? By the very word of God, memorizing it, knowing what God says, and what we are to do in every and all situation. What is God like? Who is he? What does he desire? So that when temptations come our way, we say, no, that's not what God would want. Because we know what his word tells us. Just like Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. We cannot be separated from God or his word. But boy, isn't this just wonderful, hopeful words. God is faithful. He won't let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. God will give us the opportunity in every temptation situation, to say no. Because as believers, don't we have the Holy Spirit within us? We now have that ability to say no, because Paul elsewhere 
says, before Christ, we were slaves to sin. Now in Christ, we are slaves to Christ. You see, once before Christ, we had no choice. We had to say yes to sin because that was our nature. But now we have the ability to say no, to not consider it, to not give into it because we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So we can say no to those sins that keep creeping up, those sins that keep getting us, that we keep giving into, those that make us even doubt sometimes, God, am I really saved? Remember, salvation is based on one condition and one alone. That's by believing. Believe that the Lord Jesus is who he says he is and that he did what he said he was coming to do and that he did it for you. But by believing in that, you will be saved. We live our lives then in what's called sanctification, being set apart from God. We will never, in, on this side of heaven, be sinless. But the goal is to sin less, isn't it? And we do that by proclaiming the word of God and that God promises he will always give us a way out. Always give us a way out to say no to the temptation so it does not become sin in our heart. We move into our time of what we call communion. It's the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. And we do this because Jesus told us to. It's a command of God. Jesus gave two ordinances, two things to the church to do until he comes back. He told us, as believers, to be baptized. And so we are to baptize. And then also, he says, to take communion and to remember him uh, by taking the bread and the cup. He did this uh, the night before he was betrayed at what was the Last Supper, the last Passover meal that he got to uh, celebrate with his loved ones, his closest friends. And so he told them to remember what he was about to do for them, remember his sacrifice. And so during that Passover meal, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he passed it around. And he said to take and eat, that it represents his body, and to do it in remembrance of him. And then he took the cup of wine, we take juice, and he passed it around. And he said, take and drink, because what? It represents a new covenant in his blood, right? And so that's why we do this. So as you hear the music playing, as you uh, take an opportunity for just a few minutes to spend time between you and your God, would you consider the nature of your relationship with God right now? Where do you stand with him? If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, how is your walk with him? How are you doing in light of personal temptations? Is there a sin you need to ask forgiveness of so you can restore fellowship with God or perhaps even with another brother or sister in Christ that that relationship would be restored? If you need to ask God for forgiveness, take some time to be with your Lord and pray. Talk to him. Consider these things and consider what it cost Jesus, which was everything, to offer us this free gift of salvation. So we say thank you, even in our time of prayer. When you are done spending time with the Lord as he leads, you can get up and either come to the front here or to the side in the back and take bread and take a cup and return to your seat. And do that as the Spirit leads. There's no rush. Once everybody has returned to their seat with the elements, I will lead us in concluding our service and taking the bread and the cup, all right? So let's do that now together.
The Lord Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given it, he broke it, and he said these words, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The church, let's take and eat together in remembrance of him. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's take and drink together in his name. Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? And we will close our time together by singing. As we sing this song, consider the words and the wonderful truth about what I just read and what we are singing as well. That this, what Christ did, he did for the whole world, and he did for you. For that, we can say thank you. And so we sing this song because of that.
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, yes, we thank you for what Jesus has done for us. When we consider that wonderful cross because of what it means to us, we are grateful beyond words. And we know that your sacrifice means that we have life. And that life, in that life, what is it that you desire? That we would lay it down before you. That we would surrender all. My life, my soul, my all. God, we give that to you now. We thank you for the power in Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of your word to resist the evil one. And God, now as we continue to enjoy time together, may we share stories of how you are work and alive in us. And may we continue to uplift each other, to encourage and challenge one another to live our lives for you. For if you died for us, we desire to live our lives for you. That you, Father, would get all the glory. We pray this in the power of the Spirit. We pray it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Please make sure you stay for lunch. Give our team a few minutes to set up and then enjoy yourselves. Hello. So good to see you. I was waiting to hug the better half. I already saw this half over here. <laughs> it's such a nice surprise. Well, I have to share something with you. Mm -hmm. That's just another splash of joy God's giving me. It's something you could fancy. Oh, you did? Yeah, something really beautiful. Okay, okay. Oh, that's right, in Bootin. She's up there, yeah. It's not the Okay. Praise the Lord. I remember that. So she said to me, oh, right? she could it so oh, praise the Lord. That is so wonderful to hear. Amen. She's keeping the door open. Yes, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Oh, I'm really glad you told me that. Thank you. Oh my gosh, that is very encouraging. Praise the Lord. Yes. You know? Praise the Lord. Yep. Yeah. Yes, that's so good. See, praise God. She's keeping that door open, listening to the word and the Christian music. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Good. Hallelujah. How's Colin doing? Felt like a dispatcher. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. Good. Praise the Lord. And I saw the news about Kimmy. 
How amazing was that? She, she had a lot of um, patience and she was persistent, right? That's what you need, another Dutch in the family. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, you know then, yeah. Oh, and he's, oh, how about that? Oh, that's, that's sweet. There is good news for the captain. Good, good. Glad to hear Yeah. There is good news good. for the world yeah. who walked away. Like his residency type of thing? Yeah, yeah. The one religion Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, of course. He's Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm oh, good. Good for her. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. It's so nice to see you. I was wondering what you guys were doing up here, but now it makes sense that you were seeing doing all that, so. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's wonderful. Good. Yeah, good, good, good. And how long are you staying, though? 
Huh? How long are you staying? Yeah. Saturday. Okay. Good. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Right. No, you gotta. Yeah, that's right. To come up here, so you gotta go down for that for sure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was just saying. She's got a lot of patience and uh, tenacity to stick with it. Oh, wonderful. I believe it. Wow. I would have never thought that, but I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah, good, okay. Good for her. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. But it also sounds like a good leader. So, you know, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, really? Oh, uh, okay. Cool. How about that? That's good. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Sounds like that. Yeah, they, they went out for a ride. Yeah, how about that? I expect you there at 10.30 up in mm -hmm. Jacksonville. You need to get suited up. You suited up almost all night. Everything, yeah. Two and a half hours up and down. It's great, great. The size of the waving the people on the beach. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Oh, oh what a thrill. Oh, good. Glad to hear it. I believe it. He will be able to use her degree. Yeah. Bozeman is the assistant to the Coast Guard Police. Oh, I see. So, good. It comes right in. He's still going to need to use yeah. her degree. Yeah, good. He's going to go for a year and a half to see where he wants to go, get the yeah. influencers, just know exactly what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's when you become an officer that's more paperwork than it is. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also has right. four years of work. Oh, well. Four years right now. Okay. What? Okay. They're not going to spend that money, money on it. Yeah. Right, right. Do they want the commitment? Sure, sure. I get it. Yeah. All right. Enjoy your lunch. I'll see you. Amen. It's luck. It's all good news. I love it. Good news. Yeah. 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 Yep, yep, yep. You did. Hallelujah. How are you guys? Okay? Okay. All right. Take your time. Just want to make sure everything's good. You need something? Yeah. Okay. Right. When you're ready, let me know. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny you walked in just as I was talking about it. Yeah, yeah right. that's good. Thanks. No, they, they have been down. I'm just turning them up. 
Rashawn did it. Rashawn did it. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. Perfect. The song selection was great. It's perfect. Everything was great. Thanks. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Put the piano. Okay. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Good. Well, yeah. But then we were all blessed. So thank you. Good. Okay. Thank you. I know you are. Thank you. It's really good to have you here. We're excited. Thank you. You gonna stay for, uh, for lunch? Yeah. Okay. Good. Praise the Lord. That's all. That's the Lord, man. <laughs> That's the Lord. You can say that now too. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Hallelujah.
praise. Yeah.